Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us for Tiny Sparks Big Flames. I'm your host, leadership and success coach, Deb Gott. I've spent my entire life pursuing my passions and dreams, from university professor to intelligence officer to magazine founder to coach. What an amazing journey. And if there's one thing I've learned in the process, it's the incredible power of stories. That's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear from courageous people from all walks of life who are daring to live their dreams. From creatives, innovators, and difference makers to business leaders and entrepreneurs, you'll hear about their remarkable journeys and learn their success secrets. So buckle up and enjoy the ride in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to Tiny Sparks Big Flames. I'm your host, Deb Gott. Today, we have the delightful artist Michelle McClendon in the studio. Michelle is the wildly talented artist behind the Purple Onion books. She creates beautiful hand-bound books in both paper and leather, from watercolor journals and sketchbooks to wedding and baby books to travel journals, and they are gorgeous. She can be found traveling the Southeast and Midwest juried art show circuit with her husband and Chinese-crested chihuahua mix named Slate. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Let's start with your journey as an artist. Okay, well, my family, we'll start back with that. My mom and my grandmother, both talented tailor, they could make quilts and stuff. So that actually, we'll go back to that. Quilting is where I first started. And I've been getting into that lately to kind of fan some new flames. But whenever I was... I guess when my daughter was born, I needed something to keep my hands busy while, you know, you know how it is when you have a baby and they're sleeping and they're doing this. And that's how I started with the journals. And it was just a hobby. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I had some health problems come up. So I had to leave my job. And now that's what I, that's what I do full time. After I left my job, I got my strength built back up and I started making journals full time. Take us forward from that moment when you said, I want to play with journals to, I want to do this for a living. When I started feeling better, I don't know, it just happened. It felt like that's what I was supposed to do. I was building my strength, making those journals. I was making more and more and it was helping me feel better. And it just felt like that's where I was supposed to be. I (laughs) I never really thought about going back. I don't think I could have gone back at that point, but I could work when I felt like it. When I'm here at home, I could work in my art as I felt like it. At what point did you say, hey, I think I want to do this and I think I want to see if I can make a living out of it. Talk a little bit about that. It was in 2017 and well, I had to do something because I mean, you know, we have to work, we have to make money and I knew I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't go back. So I just started applying to art shows and We've talked about this before. The one that we know each other from, I got into it. I had had no business being in that art show. I was not at that level yet. I had no business being there, but they, for some reason, saw it and they let me in. And when I got there and saw the level of work at that kind of show, I thought, wow, this is, I, I can do this. And I left that show. I did really well. And I met you and I met so many fabulous people. 
And I left that show inspired and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I can really go over the top with and make whatever I want to make. And I, I can do this. And that's what I did. And I've been doing it ever since. And I think that was 2000 in, in November of 2017 is when that blessing happened, <laughs> I guess. So, yeah. That's quite a trajectory, right? In terms of you're working with it on your own and then you just start applying to shows because a lot of people, when they start applying to shows, they already have a pretty significant track record, which speaks volumes about your talent. Thank you. Well, I've done craft shows. I was doing a craft show here and there, even, you know, part-time, but nothing like the, the shows I do now. And I just didn't know, I didn't know that level was there. And so I, I saw that level was there and I upped my game to match it. So when you talk about those, that time period, when you started doing shows to now it's 2023, talk a little bit about the highest highs you had during this time and some of the lowest lows you had. Okay, well, of course, highest highs are getting into those those big shows. When you get into a show you've really been trying to get into or you you make a new product and it's really popular and you're really happy that, that somebody saw your vision in that. And that happens to me a lot. I make, I'll make something, I'll go over the top with it and it sells immediately and that, that feels really good. But there's also the lows when you have a bad day, you have a bad show and you're not, you're not connecting with that audience like you want to and or you don't get into that show in the first place or I think traveling for the first time I really traveled far away was from here to Michigan and I had been to Michigan before so it wasn't like completely foreign territory to me but I'd never done a show that far away from home so I didn't know about those and I didn't do good and I was so far from home and I felt so defeated that was bad that was right before COVID lost my tent in the process up there in a storm it it was a whole big mess but I came back and said okay I'm gonna buy a new tent I'm gonna buy the fancy stuff upgrade I'm gonna upgrade and and that's what I did I learned from it it was a low it was a really low point but I learned from it and I've overcome that part that so yeah I love what you did you were like "Uh uh-uh I'm up in my game yeah no you're not that wasn't gonna stop me I just okay we're gonna upgrade and we'll do this and then We'll look for, you know, I'll try to do better research. And I was still, that was only like two years into this full-time journey. So I really didn't know what was going on. So I think I've come a long way in the few short years that I've been doing it as far as learning where to go and what to do. And I'm still kind of a newbie compared to a lot of these, a lot of artists that I meet, but I listen to them. That's one of the main things you learn from other artists. Listen to those people who've been doing it for a long time. We're going to loop back to that because I want to talk a little bit about what it's like to actually be in a show from the point at which you start until the, you know, to the point at which you drive away. Okay. (laughs) Well, you have to submit your application first off to the show. When you find the show, you know, really they're presenting themselves to you. They're, they're, they present a resume to you to get you to apply basically but anyway you apply and you have to send pictures of your best work and you tell how special your work is and you hope that the jury picks you off of the four pictures that you sent it it's really it's kind of wild that they choose you off of four or maybe five pictures 
and then after that, you know, they, it's really, you're just working until you get there. So when you get there and you check in, there's people everywhere, there's stuff everywhere, you know, it's just kind of a free for all most of the time, but um, you get there and you check in and you find out where you're supposed to be and you have to unload all your stuff from your van and that's lifting and usually they want you to unload it and then you have to move your van somewhere and then you set all the takes hours to set all that stuff up and all you know I hear people ask us a lot it's so nice that they set these tents up for you that that's not how it works we do that 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 those tents are ours we have to set that and build that up every time. And then it really, once the show starts, it's kind of a rest. That's my favorite part is I can sit in my chair and talk to people and rest. And, and so the show itself is actually, it's not so bad. It's the setting up and the taking it back down and packing it all back in the van. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I look at it as I go set that up and visit with people for the weekend. Visit with people from that city for the weekend. You're both an artist and you're a businesswoman right? You're not one or the other. You're both. Talk a little bit about that balance between the artist and businesswoman and how you try to navigate that. Yeah, it's really hard. I went to business school. That's that's what I went to school. I didn't plan on being an artist at all, but it's still hard for me. Like once I left that world and I got into my creative stuff, it was really hard for me to stop the making and the playing with the pretty things. It's really hard for me to stop and do the business side of it. But there are programs you can buy a membership to QuickBooks Self-Employed. And that's what keeps me in line because it does everything for you. As you spend or as you take money in, it does all that for you. So I take advantage of that because I hate, I just hate doing the business part. <laughs> that's no fun. Yeah. I mean... As a coach, I have the exact same thing. There's being a coach and then there's the business of coaching. And coaching is way more fun than the business of coaching. And I think that's that very unique balance that we have to strike when we are solopreneurs or small businesses is, and people don't often know that both of those are a full-time job. Exactly. And so, you know, social media is such a big thing for artists you know, that's how we get our stuff out there. But I hate it. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Just, yeah. I hate it. I hate trying to take pretty pictures and, you know, get the view. Just right. It takes so much time. It's not that I hate it, but that takes time, a lot of time away from your creativity to do that. And I struggle with that. How do you build your confidence as an artist? I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that because I'm more confident now than I used to be. Because And it's really because of... I'm in, getting into these bigger shows and I see how people love my work. You know, I see that face-to-face. -face. I think that that probably helped. You get out in the world and you see that face-to-face -face reaction to your work because I used to sell just on Etsy or, you know, whatever. And you don't get that that interaction. And I don't think they, if you're buying it online, you don't understand the person or the work that went into it as much as if you buy it in person. So that, that helps with the confidence too, because you can see, Oh, people, people really understand. People really like my work. So yeah, I, I, that's probably the only way I build confidence. As an artist, you said, I love to listen to other artists and hear them talk. Who are some of your heroes or your mentors or role models that are in your world that have really influenced the way you think? 
Well, I actually, one of the biggest mentors I had, he lived right here in Troy and he actually passed away last year, but his son is still keeping it going. And um, that's uh, Mr. Charles Adams. And so his son is David Adams. If anybody's listening, they do stained glass and it's beautiful. And, um, but he taught me a lot. He was in his seventies, you know, when he passed away and he did this his entire life, the, the kids grew up, you know, doing doing shows with them. He, you know, he knew where to go. He knew what to do. And, you know, so he was the main one. And then there's so many over the years. I can't even think of names. And really, it's just anybody that you're around at a show, learn from them, listen to them, ask them questions. They ask you questions. And I offer up freely when it's a newer artist. I've even if I don't know their name, I'll offer any advice I can to them to tell them, you know, hey, it's okay. Or it's okay if you start here and build up. But another artist here in Alabama that I wanted to give a shout out to is Maggie Greer. She's a painter. She does oil painting. And she's in Birmingham. And she's, you know, we're about the same age, but she's been doing this a long time. So I listen to her a lot too. <laughs> Where do you turn for inspiration for your work? Outside. I love being in the woods and I love trees and I won't really say that I'm a gardener. I'm not a gardener because I don't like actually do the work. You know, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard work. But I love to be outside. And I like to go to the Mariana Caverns is one of my places. I just love going there. But I also, I love to just come in my studio and I have all these fabrics and things. And I'll just come in here and just play with them. Even if it's just right here in my own studio, things that I've bought over the years and I'll pull something out I've had 20 years and go, oh, okay, I can make something. I know exactly what I want to make out of this. So it's just really anywhere. You can find inspiration anywhere if you look for it. Yeah. So that's an upside, right? That inspiration that you can get anywhere. Have there been situations in the past where you ran into creative blocks or artistic blocks? Talk a little bit about that and how you overcome them. Yeah. Well, I brought it up earlier about the quilting thing. That was my first creative outlet because that's how my grandmother taught me that. So I've always loved fabric. And um, I used to do that a lot, but I left it for for bookbinding. I kind of left that behind. So I had some unfinished projects and I was feeling a little bleh. Over the winter, over like uh, December and January, I just, I wasn't feeling the work on the journals. So I dragged out some quilting things I had started on when my daughter was a baby and I put them away and I've been trying to finish those up. And that's really opened up a lot more things for making journals and working on my actual work. So that that's where I've been working lately, trying to... <laughs> free that block and it did work it worked I've been I've been really productive the past month <laughs> I love that you basically returned to something you loved before got involved in that again and it spurred that spark right with your journals and I'm sure it's influenced what you're creating now with your journals is the, the quilting thing like I said that really that really influences how I make the journals because of all the, the fabrics and stuff. That's where all that comes from because I love fabric. <laughs> so, yeah, that, anyway, so the quilting is what got me into that. And a lot of the stuff I was using for the books was stuff I'd bought to make quilts with and I'd not made anything. So, yeah, it's, it kind of all ties together. That's beautiful. You talked a little bit about nature being something that fuels you. 
Do you have a guilty pleasure that is just, oh, you just do it because it's a guilty pleasure? I can't really think of one. <laughs> I watch uh, some really bad reality TV sometimes as a guilty <laughs> pleasure. I try not to watch that kind of stuff very often because, you know, that's not good for your brain. <laughs> but I, I can only watch so many documentaries and Doctor Who episodes. Mm. You need a break from that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I'd love to ask you a fun question. If you could spend a weekend studying one-on-one with any living artist, who would that be and why? And that's what I mentioned Maggie earlier. I would love to, Maggie Greer, like I said, she's from Birmingham area. I would love to sit down and watch her make these dreamy landscapes. I, I don't know how, they're not realistic in any way, but I would love to see how she does that with paint. I don't understand. So, yeah, somebody like her, I would love to just sit and watch them work just to see what they do, where how their mind works, because mine is all over the place. <laughs> what are three things that most people who know you don't know about you? Mm, that's a good one, Deb. That was tough. A lot of people actually, if they know me and they've never seen me in action for my work, they have no idea what I do for a living. They don't know that I sew. That's and for years when I was working in an office, they nobody knew that I did all those things. But I was also um, a member of the Sound of the South at Troy University when I was in the that was in the nineties when I was in college. <laughs> so um, that was. I enjoyed it immensely, and I'm so glad to have been a part of that, but a lot of people don't know that, and if you're not from this area, it's probably not as big a deal, but... Well, say what the Sound of the South is. It's the marching band for Troy University, but it's almost like a marching jazz band. That's what we used to always reference it back then. I think it's a little different now, you know, but back then it was a marching jazz band, and it was great, and there were like 400 of us. <laughs> it was great, and it was a big family. And I can say I actually did study under Dr. Long, Dr. Johnny Long. He's the one that started it. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Troy State University marching band was and probably still is legend. And Dr. Johnny Long was a legend in the state of Alabama. And anyone who played Troy University now in football, I mean, these are legendary you know, the band and the band director. Yeah, that was when we were still a small school. We were just little small potatoes, but we had this huge world-known band. So yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Now, so those are two things that people don't know about you. What's a third thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. People probably don't realize just how silly I can be. If you, if you lived with me, <laughs> ask my husband and my daughter, I'm completely silly most of the time. I think people think I'm more serious than I am, but I'm pretty much a goofball. A question that has to do with following your dream as an artist. What advice would you offer to someone who really would love to follow their dream as an artist, but they're, they're fearful about it? What advice could you offer to them? It is scary. It really is scary. And I kind of got pushed pushed into it 
but I'm glad I got pushed into it. I didn't mean to be here, but I'm glad I'm here. So I don't know. Maybe I, I could recommend save up money before you take the leap. Save up, you know, just like if you're opening any other business, you want to have something to fall back on. I, and that's kind of the way I see this. It's a opening a business. You can look at it that way. If that makes it less scary than you're being an artist, look at it as just opening a, a regular business, maybe to take the initial leap. And but really, you just you have to just do it. That was what I did. I just had to kind of jump in and and hope it works out and be willing to change something if what you're doing is not working. You you have to be able to like we were upgrading and changing things, you know, seeing that you need to level up or whatever, you know, whatever that may be. You just have to, you have to just jump and hope. (laughs) That's the only thing I can say. What do you dream of accomplishing in the next five years? In the next five years, I want to do more overseas travel. Actually, I would, I've really been thinking about this a lot lately. And I always tell people, you know, my, my work is heavily influenced by the Indian culture. I love the, the block printing and the silks and goes back to the textiles we were talking about earlier. But they also, they do a lot of the handmade paper. My handmade papers come from India too, because I just, I love the product. I want to travel to India and just, you know, do some research and learn about those methods. And, you know, I'm expanding. I want to expand that. I do some block printing, but I would love to learn more about that from somebody there. But so I really, I want to do more overseas travel in the next few years, but all in the, in the long term to expand my craft. Really, that's what that's all about. <laughs> I'm curious about everything, but India is on the top of the list, but I also, there's other, Italy, there's lots of other places I want to go, but really it is all in curiosity of making things, making journals or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle McClendon, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show and spreading the word about us to all your family and friends. Michelle, how can people learn more about you and the Purple Onion books? Always go to my website. It's thepurpleonionbooks.com. Don't forget the the at the front, thepurpleonionbooks.com. And I'm also on Instagram. I don't post a lot. But I am there. I do check into stories and stuff, but it's the Purple Onion Books as well. I'm also on Pinterest. That's really, I have a YouTube channel too. So the Purple Onion Books there too. So it sounds like the Purple Onion Books website and Instagram and Pinterest and YouTube. Yep. Wow. The same all the way across. (laughs) Listeners, check out Michelle's website. Her work really is extraordinary. And check out her social media as well. Both she and her beautiful art journals are truly amazing. That's it for this episode of Tiny Sparks, Big Flames. If you enjoyed the conversation, definitely check out our webpage at tinysparksbigflames.com. You can find more great information about today's guest see what they're up to, and even follow their work. Until next time, dream big, and thanks for listening.